This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Botox Cosmetic. Out of botulinum toxin A. FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, Georgie, check for Dadsy. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. <whistles> only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. And he turns round like he's f***ing Ronaldo and gives it the big one to the away crowd. Leicester City have a penalty kick in the sixth minute of injury time. Injury time, injury time. Knockout takes, Almunia saves, knockout follows in, Almunia saves again. And now Wapner on the counter-attack. Forestieri. Hard to believe this. Here's Hawk. Dini. I do not believe what I've just seen. Troy Welcome to the Do Not Scratch Your Eyes podcast. I'm Justin. And I'm Carl. Joining us this evening, we've got, well, quite a few guests uh, in no particular order whatsoever. Please welcome Mr. Peter Remnant. Good evening, Peter. Good evening, gents. How are we? Very good. Very good. Good. Nick from YBR is here. Hi, good to be here. As is Colin from YBR. Good evening, everyone. And, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Luther Blissett is here. Good evening, Luther. Hi, doctor's in the house. Amazing. Love it. <laughs> Love it. So, <laughs> Luther, um, tell us, this is breaking news, really. You are now officially a Dr. Luther Blissett, is that correct? Yes, I am. I'm a doctor of science. Yeah. So, um, what exactly that means, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> It, but it, I wouldn't. It, I wouldn't. I wouldn't let you any. I wouldn't let me anywhere near anybody that's actually sick. <laughs> Excellent. Basically, means if you run somebody over with a sheep whilst driving them down the high street, you can look after them afterwards. I can. I Excellent. Can basically, put them to one side and then cover them up with the with the brush and that, and just walk off. No your problem. Mul- your multitasking knows no end. We've got quite a bit to talk about, really. I mean, I don't really know where to start. Why? What's there's that? Few- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. What's there's only there's only one place to start, really. Come on in, Lufa. Tell me. There's only one place to start, and it's got to be the departure of Troy Deeney. It's got to be, because that is the news, sure. I think you're right, actually. I think you're right. I it think, has to be. I think it's a, good, it's a good place to start. So, boys, what do we make of Troy Deeney's uh, departure? I'll just give you my brief um, sort of summary on it, and then, uh, you know, talk amongst yourselves. I think... Troy, as a player uh, for the club, I, I, I can't really, uh, I can't really knock him. He's been a, a very good ambassador for the for the, the club. Do I think that it, the time was right for him to go? 
Yes, I do. Dare I say it? Maybe a year too late, but I think if we if we look back over his career with Watford, he's he's certainly been a player that's going to be there, you know, remembered by the fans for for years to come. So you know, all the best for him, and, and what a dream move for him for, to go back to his hometown, Birmingham City, as well. But uh, guys, what, tell me what you think, Colin. Let's start with you tonight. Uh, I was really pleased when I had gone to Birmingham. Obviously, news come through that he's a free agent. You sort of think, oh, where's he going to go? Where's he going to end up? And when it went to Birmingham, it sort of, I don't know, it, it just sort of strengthened my feeling of Troy Deeney. It's, it's where he wanted to go. It's where his heart is. If he was leaving Watford, I wouldn't have rather it didn't go anywhere but Birmingham. Can't stand the club normally, but it's quite a good move. Yeah, I was, I was pleased he went there. It's Royal Rover stuff, isn't it? Uh, Dr. Sir Luther Blissett, come on, let's get your opinion on this. I believe that it's probably, you say one season, I think it's probably two, maybe three seasons late because I think from the moment it was a case he was signing that contract and when a player says now this contract, signing this contract has made me for life and then if you look at the performances and the games that he's played since then, the two really doesn't don't look good together for me. Maybe, you know, he was, he was maybe hang on about two, three years too long here. If you're not delivering what people expect you to deliver or what you have in the past, then it's time to move on, you know, or you should be moved on from that for me. You can sometimes out, out, um, outstay your welcome and that can hurt your for want of a better word, your legacy that you leave behind. Of yeah, all I was just going to say that, yeah. Was he in yeah. danger of kind of undoing some of the work that he did by sticking around for a little bit, a little bit too yeah. long? Yeah, I think he did because you want to see, you want to see every player, especially players that have done good service for your club. You want to see them, they almost want to go out in a blaze of glory, you know, so the last game they play, you think, you think, yeah, you know, he's going to be missed, but, you know, it was the right time sort of thing. Yeah, awesome. Peter, what, what about what about you? I think everybody loves the romance of him going to Birmingham City. I kind of agree with what you're saying in terms of maybe he could have gone a little bit earlier for nothing, for no other reason than the smile on his face since he's gone back there and is you know has done that. He looked like he needed that particular change, and he looks like that kind of freshness of that challenge is going to help him. Whereas I think there were occasions whereby when we were, when, when the moment we switched to playing kind of one up front, his game went to pieces a little bit because. You know, if you look at how well he performed with Vidra and you look at how well he performed with Igalo, okay, I'm sure we'll get to Andre Gray. Uh, Incidentally, QPR are playing Birmingham on the 28th of September, and I know which side I'm going to be supporting, just so you know. Um, but, But he had one of the greatest partnerships that we'd seen at the club possibly the best since you know the good doctor and mr ross jenkins were playing together you know he would he had a role and he would play he he would drop deep and he would he would send players in and those particular players look much better playing along troy dini as the game evolved and it went to a 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1 he looked isolated and we ended up just banging the ball to him from miles away and expecting him to do an awful lot with it which he couldn't do and i think you know i think it's good that he's moved on hopefully he'll he'll really rip it up in the championship for uh, for an Indian summer. Yeah, I would I would say we talk about it being sort of a year or two years too too late. Uh, you've got to remember, like last season, we had Stipe Peritza, Andre Gray, Isaac Success, Troy Deeney was still worth a place amongst that company. I feel, and yeah, it, it's it wasn't his best, but he was still one of the best that the club had in that position. I say that, but um, you, you're talking about one game. And that was the Stoke game where he did have, especially the first half, I thought he did, thought he did very well first half. Yeah. But um, second half, you know, I thought he faded as the game went on, as you'd expect. But my thing, when I watch football, I look at players, and yes, in the season with Vidra, and especially with Igalo, fantastic. But since then, 
you've got to really look, and there's probably the odd game here and there that reminded you of that Troydini. And for me, that is that is an issue when that person is the leader of your team. You expect him to be doing the thing that you've always expect him to be doing as such. So you want him to be leading now. You want him to be bringing other players in, scoring goals as well along the way. But it just wasn't that. And his effect on games was, you know, it began to diminish from the effect that he was having on the game. Because you've got to look at the game as a whole and you think, he had a good game, but then you think, yeah, but what did they do in that in that game? And I think that's where it doesn't quite fit up fit up with me is actually what you do that's that, that that's my thing about it and I think for him to go to Birmingham is fantastic always great if you can go to a club that you supported as a kid and you that's where you're going to finish your career and you've got a two year plus an extra year if he needs it so for him it's quite amazing we've just got to hope that he can off time game- <laughs> <laughs> It's like rugby league buzzer. Yeah, it was. I think that was a tractor or something going by outside. This is what you do when you live in a country, you see. <laughs> Nick, let's, um, let's just finish up with you on this one. What, what's your uh, what's your take on it all? Yeah, so my main feeling about it, I mean, I don't disagree with what people are saying, but with what people are saying, but I'm really pleased that now he's he's, he's gone now and he's gone. I don't, I don't think anyone thinks, no one said that it's, you know, that it's too early. And I think that allows us, now we're not having the debate anymore, should he go, should he not? Yeah, okay. It allows us to really look back a couple of years and beyond that to the time when he really was our leader. He really was, let's not forget, an absolutely superb player. Yeah. Let's not forget he scored 140 yeah. goals. We can now look back at that and look at him as, uh, I think, I mean, I, I can't see how he's not going to be right up there as one of the club legends. I mean, you know, you look at the fact that from the rookery end had their um, poll, was it the best player of the Pozzo era or the best player of the century, which was the best player except Dini. And that yeah. sort of shows the kind of esteem in which he's held. And now we can move on from the debate, should he go or should he not? And we can just remember him like that, which I'm quite pleased about. If I can change things slightly here then, I imagine, oh. I imagine, <laughs> yeah, watch this segue, you're going to like oh, this. Oh no. <laughs> I, ima- I imagine, <laughs> wait for this, I imagine the best player of the century except Dini wouldn't have been Mr Andre Gray oh. now it's <laughs> very early on in this podcast to be listen dipping into these listen, dark dark waters we don't have to discuss him anymore after this this is the final time this is it this is the end is this officially the final time we'll be speaking about I, I guess so I guess. <laughs> he'll be back next season because he'll score 35 goals for QPR and everyone will be like wow oh, we've let Andre Gray go you heard that here first I've been quite vocal in my how should we put this my displeasure at some enthusiasm of the yeah there you go <laughs> of, enthusiasm uh, great enthusiasm work. yeah it's quite low uh, of Andre Gray in the past I did a blog yesterday about his leaving um, it was received warmly in most places so let's go to let's start with Colin um, how do you see Andre's time at Watford and and, and he's moving on now to QPR. It, you carry it, but swear words are acceptable because uh, yeah. we have a bleep button. It was the money, really. I, I think, like, you, you, I know you can't believe everything you see on the internet and that, but you know, you, you, if he was on anywhere near 70 grand a week, yeah, I, I use the analogy it's like having a friend around your house who, after the party, steals your wallet. And that's how I felt about him. He, he just <laughs> took from the club. He was. He was given this opportunity and he took from it. And um, I, I don't know, you, you can't blame him. You, you can't say to him, oh, Andre, you know, you're not performing. You're only worth 
I don't know, 20k or what have you, take that pay cut. It, everything's tied by how much that man cost, the long contract he was on, and then just the, the kind of diminishing returns we got. And I know there was all the stuff that he come from Luton. I never held with that. Uh, you know, like so did some of our greatest players yeah, ever. Yeah, you know. I don't know, he was so hard to like, weren't he? That's from, the from thing. a sports point of view, to, to even take a football out of it, yeah. he was yeah. so hard to like. Like, I'm yeah. looking at, on the internet, I was looking for a picture to put on on the YBR Facebook group of him. And there he is on the Vicarage Road turf with his shirt off and his pants showing and, and just that arrogance. I, I, I don't know, even if he was the best footballer in the world, I just found him unlikable as a person. Yeah. I'm sorry, you know. No, I, no, no, no I totally agree with that. Yeah, no, I think I think there was a slight, well, a slight, a lot of arrogance about him. Um, I, I, I just, no, no, it wasn't for me. Let's, let's go to Luther. Luther. Put your seatbelts on, boys. <laughs> Well, it's how you start. I think when he first arrived, I thought, right, we'll see what he can do because he scored goals at Burnley and he did he did, he did get those was it, 12 or whatever goals he got in that season at Burnley. The problem for me is if you buy somebody, if you buy a striker, then you need to have bought him with a plan in mind. And it looked to me as if we didn't because all the fans, you know, you're all saying play them both together. And it was one of those rare things that they actually played together at any time on the pitch. Um, so there was no time dedicated to it. So I'm sure there was no time dedicated to it on the training field yeah. to get them to operate as a unit, as a pair. It was always on that slippery slope because you need to score goals. When you when you arrive at a club, you need to score goals. Watford needed that second striker to be scoring goals, and he wasn't doing it. And as the time went on, it became a case of he's not scoring goals, but he also wasn't getting minutes either on the pitch. And the return, what he's given in the time that he's been there, has not been great. And what hasn't helped his cause over the last 18 months is the, the breaches of lockdown and those sort of things that have gone on, which again has turned even people that were, you know, give him a chance, give him a chance. They've said, you know, that's enough because for me, that was just a lack of total respect, what he did for his teammates, for all of you, all of us as fans, and almost two fingers up at the government that said, you don't do this sort of thing. And I just, I just found it wrong of him to do that and not actually stand up and say I'm sorry I was an idiot I should never have done it but to do it three times you know it it shows that really did he really care and that's uh, and for me that is what I will judge his time at Watford on the fact that he showed no respect to the club players anybody by doing that on those occasions never actually came out and said I've been an idiot I'm sorry should not have done it and I don't care if they disciplined him within the club if the player did that and I said it at the time any of the players did that at Watford they would have been straight out the door they would not their feet would not touch the floor yeah I mean he didn't even apologise in that video did he he said you know I've learned no. some lessons or something or yeah and that's that he said the only thing I can do no is apologise but he didn't apologise yeah there <laughs> right. you go yeah. there you go Nick Nick what are your thoughts on Andre yeah I agree completely we've had we've had very bad We've had players who just, it hasn't worked out in the past, and that's one thing. And often you think, you know, it must be, you know, they must be having a terrible time. Yes, okay, all the all the money, etc. But it must be, you know, when you start losing confidence, it must be very difficult to get it back. I mean, I, I like the signing to start with. I thought it might, you know, might have a lot of potential. Um, still the best goal I've ever seen him score, actually, was for Brentford against us in the game we won at the last minute in our promotion yeah. season. Yeah. 
And so I didn't think it was a, a bad signing. And then, OK, it didn't work out. That happens. When it happens in the Premier League era, it means that someone's earning an awful lot of money uh, for not really delivering anything at all. I might have some sympathy if it wasn't for those breaches that Luther was talking about. When I mean, I don't necessarily buy into the argument of footballers as role models, but I do think when, when everyone's going through something like that, for someone yeah. in quite a privileged position to then do that not once but a number of times you know you lose all sympathy and you just think yeah it's over I'm glad it's over move on as you know in, in a sense there's, there's not much more to say I'm you know I don't think he would have played much anyway this year no so no. he's gone good riddance you know that's yep. it really my sentiments exactly now Peter you're going to put a positive spin on this aren't you you're going to say something really positive you always come to me for a positive spin, which is a yeah, I don't know why he does that, because I look a... at your face and I, it doesn't scream positivity at me sometimes. Someone's I, got to do I was, it. I say it's, it's a triumph. It is an absolute triumph of hope over experience. Um, no, I mean, I'll go back to what Luther said. I mean, you mentioned, obviously, that the, the, the COVID regs and all of that. But if you go back to his first season, I travelled up to Newcastle. It was about 300-odd quid for the... I remember, yeah. And for tickets. And, you know, you had to rent oxygen to climb the bloody stairs. <laughs> and you get up there. We're winning 2-0. He gets laid in for a goal from two yards, which is fine, because you've got to be there. You've got to score it. And he turns around like he's f- Ronaldo and gives it the big <laughs> to the away crowd, who, who, who are all like, you know, peering through the clouds to say, what? Are you are you f- kidding me here? You've got, you've got the bleeps to work out here. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Keep going. That was that was within about, metaphorically, 25 minutes of his arrival. He was about eight or nine games in, and he'd already shown that he was the emperor's new clothes. And in terms of the technical requirement to play one up front was appalling. His movement as a single player, and uh, sorry, Luther, you come in here, please. But if you play on the shoulder and your movement is towards the goal, do you know where you're going to be in half a second flat? You're going to be offside. And his movement was infantile. He never curved his run. He never dropped deep for the ball, because if he did drop deep for the ball, his first touch, uh, well, he didn't have a second touch, put it that way. It, you know, and if he did actually lay it off to a player who happened to be wearing yellow by mistake, their first touch was a tackle. So no, I, everybody else got fed up with him around COVID. I was there long ago. Well, there was know, the positivity I, I was hoping. See, for. There was loads <laughs> of positivity in there. I don't know what the problem was, Justin. <laughs> I'll, gi- I'll give you the I'll give you the positivity. The the reaction, especially from the younger fans, to Troy going was one of almost almost bereavement. Right? I mean, when your man there went to Milan, I worked in an insurance office on St Albans Road. And when you re-signed, there was an old boy who'd come in and he walked three miles to come in and tell me and a colleague who also supported Watford that you'd come back, right? I can tell you now, if we sign Andre, it will just be glad he doesn't have to walk anywhere. Um, it was just it was just daft. Troy going for the younger players has been monumental. Andre going for everybody is just, oh, happy days. Oh, rant over, Peter. Rant over. Have, have a wow. sip of water. <laughs> I'm looking forward to doing uh, Andre Gray's X Files on the channel anytime. Oh, I can't week. wait for that. <laughs> he won't be doing his biography, that's for sure. <laughs> that's I'd definitely read it if he did. I'm going to. Uh, I think we better talk about the, the first month of the season or the first few games in a minute. I'm going to attempt to play you some audio. I don't know if this is going to work or not because uh, I've never done this before. Um, hopefully, you'll be able to hear this. This is me and Carl making a prediction of points that we were hoping to achieve in August. Here we go. 
So, August, Aston Villa at home, our first game, and then we've got Brighton away, Spurs away. Obviously, Spurs mm-hmm. away might not be quite as comfortable as the other two, but I think, what do you reckon there? Four points? Six? Well, I think you've got to look at it. I mean, Villa had a tremendous season last last season. Um, Brighton were poor. So I think they could have a tough season next year. And, and Tottenham are an unknown because, I mean, there's a lot more going on behind the scenes there than... Oh, that's true. On. That's very true. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's a difficult one. It's the first game of the season. We're technically, you know, newly promoted side. We're going to be up for it. I'd like to see us get. If you give me six points out of that, I, I would be over the moon. To be yeah, fair, I'd out of those three games. So you're saying six points in August? Six, six points in August. <laughs> So there you go. We predicted six points in August. We ended up with three. Not quite how we thought it was going to pan out. Carl, do you want to say anything? No, not really. No? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's both of us not knowing what we're talking about. We both thought Villa... Yeah, exactly. We should be on match of the day, mate. No problem. Yeah, I think we both thought Villa was going to be tougher. I think we both thought we were going to do all right at Brighton. I'll I'll sum this up very quickly. Okay, so when I arrived on the way to Vicarage Road and I saw the team and the potential um, layout out of that team for the Aston Villa game I was tempted to flag down a taxi and go home as you as you were as well <laughs> yeah you were telling me I was like no and, but then with the greatest of respects it was it was one of the best performances that I can remember for a long time at Vickers Road and that that game although it finished 3-2 was never a 3-2 you know we were, we were comfortable in that game however moving on a week and I, I travelled down to Brighton full of the joys of, of what I've just seen the week before, expecting, not comfortable result, but us to really put on a show, I then saw the performance that I was expecting the week before. It, it, it really kind of blew my mind on how poor we were that at, at Brighton. Um, and I, I will get the other guys in in a second. But again, performance levels against Spurs recently, from what I saw, were fantastic. And we're, on another day, we come away with a win there. But you've got to take your chances at this level. You know, we've said that a hundred times. You've got to take your chances. Uh, and we didn't against Spurs and we had them. Uh, six points, you know, we're 50%, so not not all bad. Exactly. Yeah, we weren't too far off, I don't think. At least we didn't say nine, anyway. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Exactly, yeah. Nick, what do you think <laughs> of the first few games of the season? Well, uh, the first thing is, I'm glad that, um, although you only, well, only, only got three points out of the six you predicted, if I remember, there was a fair bit of, uh, there was a fair bit of clearance in your predictions for us uh, to be safe. Uh, yes. I think you predicted oh, only yes. 60 points. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've, 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 we've ordered Europe at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it seems, I mean, it's, it's probably a bit more complicated than this, but to me, the big difference um, was who wasn't playing at Brighton, and that was Kucha. It just yeah. feels to me, I, I didn't see the Brighton game, but I saw the two others, and it feels to me like he's been an immense presence. He's just looked such an experienced midfielder. He seems to, you know, doesn't get up and down too badly for someone of his age, and I just think he's been an incredible presence at the, uh, the start of the season, and I'm a little bit, I mean, he's 33, he's already been injured once. I am worried, I suppose, that we, if, if we are as dependent as we maybe appear to be on someone who may be injury prone. But it's very early days to say that. But I, I have been very impressed with him and quite impressed with uh, Atibo as well. Yeah, so that, that's um, I've been cautiously optimistic. Um, I'll, I'll be much more cautiously optimistic when we get another win under our belts at some point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Luther, what are you making of the uh, the current forwards? I thought Dennis 
the way started against um, Aston Villa. We might have, we might have somebody here. Disappointing against Brighton. I think the whole team was that way. My problem with our forward line at the moment is we're very dependent on Saar being the man that opens the opposition up for us. It's a, quite an easy thing for the opposition to work out very quickly and say, stop the supply, stop them getting the ball, and then we're done. Mm. Because we don't seem to have a plan. What I suppose really drove it home was uh, Jamie Redknapp actually said at half time in the commentary of the game, his words were, Watford look chaotic the way they play, whereas Brighton seem to be in control of what they want to do and how they're going to go about doing it. So they've got that structure. We at the moment are only hoping that Saar will open the opposition up for us. But we need somebody like uh, João Pedro back in and doing some of the things that he did or for the likes of King to find his feet in the team or Dennis. I don't mind. I just think they need to find a way of getting those players more into the game than what we're doing. And we're very lopsided because at the moment we don't really have something down the left-hand side. We haven't got enough down the left. Well, I think Hernandez looked quite good on the left-hand side well, when he came to, on. Ju- to jump in there on the Spurs game, uh, Nick, you were at the Spurs game. Yeah, I was, I yeah. Dennis on the left absolutely yeah. left the Spurs defence in ruins for that first, for the first 20 minutes, half an hour. Yeah, I was going to say, mm. for, the first, for the first five minutes in particular, and yeah, for the, at the start of the game, they really struggled, didn't they? And I thought mm. it looked like, as in Spurs really struggled against him. They didn't know what to do with him. And it did feel like there was, there was something going on. As you say, that first 20 minutes, it worried me slightly that after that first 20 minutes, it just felt we came more and more out of the game. And, and after that, it just felt like, a, although, I mean, we know that we know the goal was probably preventable, but it did feel like a goal was inevitable at some point. And then after that, it felt like Spurs were sort of not quite in second gear exactly, but it didn't feel like it was particularly hard work for them to hold that lead. That's the that's the thing that worried me a bit. Um, do you think, though, that the coach should have done more in that period of the game, as I felt he should have yeah, done absolutely. at Brighton, to have actually changed and influenced the game more than he did? 20 minutes and you're thinking, yeah, something might happen here, and then suddenly for it to go the way it did, that Tottenham really controlled the game. And as you just said, they didn't really seem to have to overstretch themselves to cause those problems. I, I think that there, there, might, there might be an issue there with the tactics that we're employing and how we're going about setting the team up and being able to change during games. Both Brighton and Tottenham doubled up on Saar. That's how they, they dealt with that. So Brighton did that very successfully, but I think Kutcher being missing in the middle helped that as well. But Tottenham, that was their game plan, double up on Saar. He's got nowhere to go. But that, I think that probably freed up Dennis in those first 20, 30 minutes to go and yeah. do what he wanted to do until they, they they kind of figured it out. But yeah, it's, um, it is a worry. I mean, uh, the other thing I would say, I thought King played really well up top. When we took him off, we didn't look like we had any penetration no. in, in the, you know, towards the end of it, which was a, is, is a big worry. But yeah, and, and the one thing I will throw out there, guys, and, and uh, this is another one, but we'll, we'll get through is defensively, I know um, Sierra Elta's fantastic. I, I just, my only fear this season, and I, I was hoping with the transfer window just going, that we were going to do something defensively. If Sierra Elta gets injured, God touch wood now, but if, if that was to happen, I do fear for us at the back there because I don't see that we've got too much cover. I think you're right. I think if we if we do lose him, the, the best thing we can do is to play is to play through at the back for me. Yeah. If we do that, that that will help us no end if we do that, especially away from home. Because of part of the Brighton performance and also the fact that match of the day decided that absolutely no level of analysis of our performance at Brighton was enough. I kind of came up with a with what what's been a kind of a new series on uh, on New Orleans TV. 
It wasn't something I wanted to do, but I felt I needed to do. So I created the boot room where I've taken a, a series of stills and showing our shape and the analysis of the games from both of them. With the Brighton game, I couldn't agree with you more, Luther, in terms of he needed to do something to affect the game. I don't necessarily think having to go to a back three personally is, is necessarily the answer. But we went with, exactly as Nick had said, suddenly we'd gone from Aston Villa looking incredible in the midfield, 71 minutes and Kuchka goes off and we have a sort of a mini collapse. I think that's doing them, a, doing Aston Villa a big favour to say that because let's face it, they only uh, really got him because of Messina's error. But we then went out with basically three Diddy men in midfield. They were so diminutive that they did get beaten up and they had three versus two in there and they were still being outdone because I think we got outfought by by. Graham Potter. He played with a four a three four three and we played a four three three where the midfielders, the the outside mids who were um, Semma and uh, Saar or outside forwards were so narrow every time we won the ball we had absolutely nowhere to go nowhere to go at all and they always had an out ball to, to the width where they would have a, a 2v1 versus Messina they were tugging him all around the place so they, they were that was a, a depressing moment but like a lot of things the pattern of play isn't necessarily where the goals come from the goals came from individual errors at set pieces where have we heard that before but that that, that's going to happen. People concede from set pieces. We get that. It would be nice if we could score occasionally, but that's another story. And then Truce Kong playing a ball out because what they were doing was they were pressing us into predictable areas, pressing us wide. They got three, four, three. They got three men wide. We've got one slash two. Guess where the ball's going to go? You know, they they made us play predictably and we did nothing to counter it. And I say that in the first episode, as I say, of the boot room. I did another one on the Tottenham piece, which also looks at what they did. And I think one of the reasons why Dennis looked, for me, I, I've been really pleased with Dennis. I thought he's, he's shown adaptability. And in the first 10 minutes against he was he was ripping them but the thing that they did was they targeted our fullbacks they had the 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 right to left long diagonal to basically pull Cathcart out because he was constantly creeping in because he wants to be in the in the middle and they that and they targeted the gap between Messina and Dennis for Tanganga to go running onto all the time and every time we had they had the ball and there was no press on the ball they would run in behind and look for that dissecting ball between Messina and between Dennis all the time. And it was Tanganga on the outside and he ruined us. And he pushed Dennis back and made him less effective in the last 20 minutes, which is kind of what happened with Brighton. They pushed it on and we didn't really have a reaction and we needed to do that. The other last thing, sorry, was the fact that we're talking about Saar. We've got somebody who is like, you know, I mean, what's the Carl Sooney's roadrunner or what have you? He's so quick. Put the ball in behind their back line, stretch them, push them back because they, 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 Speed up. Region was so frightened every time that Saar got a turn on him. But most of the time, the ball was played into Saar with his back to goal. He'd get nice and tight, shoo him away and congest the area. Uh, and that was just playing into their into their hands. If we can play the ball in, use some of the pace that both Dennis and that, uh, and that Saar have got, I think against lesser teams, we've got something to open up. And we'd hope that obviously with King coming in, we've laid out our stall. Dini's gone. These are the front three with, you know, Hernandez coming in maybe and, 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 and mixing matching and hopefully Yao Pedro as well. So hopefully they'll, they'll gel and we'll see a bit of penetration. But I agree with what you said, Carl. There was only one ball and it was the one that set up Dennis where the ball was played long, uh, ironically from the, from the strange kick that uh, Backman made in the first few seconds. And the ball got played out to Messina. He played a long ball in behind them. King got hold of it, laid it off into Dennis and he ran at them and petrified them. I'd like to see more of the same. I, I, I think we've got, we've got enough to work. 
welcome. Well, that was comprehensive. Well, thank, that thank you, Gary Lineker. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, comprehensive that, Peter. Never heard anything like that from Gary Lineker. No. <laughs> well, that, that leaves you, Colin. You've got to follow that, I'm afraid, mate. Uh, <laughs> yeah. First few games of the season. I, I like to think of myself as the thinking woman's Danny Murphy. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just going to say what Peter said, really, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> times two. <laughs> yeah, times two. Hunter's questions. Hunter's questions. Hunter's questions. Right, so uh, the question's coming from Russell Shaw. So he's put this on Facebook, and it is, do you think we did enough in the transfer window to stay up? Finally getting shot of Gray and success offloading Chalabar and Queener and a few others. Dini, I think, could have stayed one more season. Bringing in uh, Josh King, Dennis Kucho, uh, Sissoko, Kucha, Itobo, and Danny Rose. Not bad. Got rid of some of the Deadwood uh, and brought in some fresh faces I think we've got enough to stay up, but what do you guys think? Right, so in essence, have we have the signings been um, enough to keep us up? Colin, over to you because you've not spoken for a minute. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think um, it, it's certainly been in the, um, we're in the credit uh, sort of column, aren't we? You look at who's gone, apart from Hughes and Chalabar, you know, ev- everyone else sort of have gone mm-hmm. to a club that's not Premier League. We're not really going to miss them. The players that come in, I think there's been some exciting signings and with Cucho coming in as well, coming back, I- I'd say, yeah, I-, I do. I feel quite confident. I think we've stayed up with a lesser team than this in the past. Dr Blissett. We brought in some some good players, but we haven't brought in that player that when he's on the pitch, you think he's the one that brings the belief that we're going to do something. Centre forward, you need that one. And I think King could develop into that if he fulfills that potential that he did early on, especially at Bournemouth. And if he can show signs of that, I think I think he could be the one to do it. And Dennis, again, you know, they're, they're quite similar, I would say, in the things that they're able to do. We haven't got, at this moment in time, I don't see it yet, somebody who's going to be scoring you 15 to 20 goals a season if you're going to really make a claim for staying up and it being more than a struggle. So I'm reserving judgment until they sort of settle and find their way through the season for me. So I'm leaving it until probably... The next three, four games, I'll be much clearer and I believe what yeah. Watford are able to do. With the games we've got at the moment, I think it's a little bit premature to say they're going to be one thing or the other. I'm praying that they're going to be enough, but I haven't seen enough to say to me, yes, that's the case. And I haven't seen enough the other way to say that we could end up going down. But it's going to be a difficult season and we're going to have to, you know, there's certain players we've brought in are going to have to deliver. What do yeah. you think, Nick? Well, my honest opinion is that I'm completely on the fence. I just have no idea how it's all going to turn out. However, given that we're clearly not going to be allowed to sit on the fence, my nagging doubt is how are we going to score enough goals, I think. And also, it was was mentioned earlier that just a couple, you know, one or two things going wrong, um, just a loss of form or an injury, and the defence might be, uh, the defence feels like it might creak a little bit. Those are my nagging doubts, I think. I'm going to be optimistic and say there's some, there's, there's enough quality there. So if you're going to, if you're going to twist my arm, then yes, we're staying up. My feeling is it will be close either way. Now, Peter, but I am naturally pessimistic. Ah, uh, well, <laughs> I think we have to be. We're Watford fans. <laughs> now, Peter, you and I were on a, a podcast yesterday. I think you said that it was the depth, perhaps, of the squad that might let us down. Another one of the videos that I did was about Kuchka, and I did it after the Aston Villa game because I thought, wow, look at him, isn't he good? And he was off with an injury. So I look back at his last two years at Palmer. Every season, he had about four or five two-game absences. You know, he's 34 now. The bones will be 
creaking, the muscles will be sore and there'll be times when he's going to not be there. And he was so influential against Villa and he was very good, I thought, against Tottenham. I didn't think he was quite on the same level as Villa, but, you know, wow, you're going to miss that. You can understand why we've gone and bought Sissoko because after Brighton, we we showed that we desperately needed some physicality and solidity. The question is, is if you've got Kuchko out for 10 games of the season, who are we going to be bringing in and playing? You know, if you looked, being being honest and earnest about it, would you have rather have kept Chalabar and Hughes as opposed to Cleverly and Gosling? Cleverly and Gosling, great servants, great players, great, lovely guys. They're those kind of seven out of 10 players. They'll always give you something, but they're not going to do, as as Luther just said, kind of pick up a game by the scruff of the neck and really kind of rattle it home and, and create something. So my, my concern is about ha- having the 34-year-old in there is a bit bit injury prone. Not, not badly, not bad injuries, but just he's going to get bruises and stuff. My old concern at the back, because I'm not the biggest fan of Mr. Trooster Kong personally as, as an out-and-out defender. I thought he did okay against Villa. I didn't think he did actually too badly against Tottenham, but it's when he has pretensions of wanting to pass the ball thinking that he should be the free man to attack a header in the box which he blatantly showed that he couldn't do against Brighton that, that, that concerned me so I'd have liked to have seen some depth there is still the opportunity for us to pick up a free agent we've only got 23 men in the squad so there is still a possibility of going and getting maybe a free agent how do you fancy it <laughs> if we think 34 his knees are creaking his bones are I tell you mine I'm 63 now no chance forget it <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't even I would not even entertain it for all the money in the world one thing we are short of at the moment is a captain our captain has departed any thoughts on uh, who our new captain should be let's start with nick that's a really good question i was trying to work this out earlier i don't think i don't know how important a captain is i think a leader's important and i suppose a slight worry there is that there's is, is there enough leadership in the side which again i, I mean by default i guess the answer is cleverly mm. i'm not convinced Clevel is the leader of that of that side but then I'm not really sure who is in terms of the kind of player who would be a captain at the moment I'm looking at Gucci but three games in that is a fairly um early assessment so I suppose the safe option would be cleverly that's probably who it will be but then I'm not convinced cleverly will play every week is that an acceptable way of saying I don't know that's a very yes, acceptable yeah, way of saying because yeah. none of us do really. loud and clear Nick loud and clear <laughs> uh, certainly there was a few calls for Trooster Kong on social media I'm not convinced of that as, uh, as as a great idea Luther what do you think well I think the thing about Trooster is you go back to the, the season just gone and there was rumours about who apparently went in and said to the players things have got to change mm. we need to sort ourselves out to get things going and truce was the one that actually dragged the mm-hmm. players together and did that coventry um, game wasn't it the local yeah. he's a local boy as well isn't he? he's a local boy so he's now playing for his local club and i think he has that passion to want to show people that he can be a good captain uh so maybe it might be an opportunity for to for him to do that you know center halves are generally the ones that will play most of the games for you as the players that boys that play center back rather than full backs or um or your midfield players so on that front, as captain, I don't see an issue with it. Yes, his distribution at time is very sketchy. I think, again, in turn, for me, I look at the coaches and, I mean, we used to do it when I was playing. There were certain players, when they win the ball, you said to them, these are the two passes you look for. When you get the ball, it goes wide there or you hit the channel with the ball. That way, never put him in a position where he'll try to, you know, he's starting to think he's a better player than what he is. The misplaced pass against Brighton, which is what we're talking yeah. about, five, five, minute, five minutes before, Morpé had pushed him into that wide angle and he tried to play a ball into Saar. Everybody was so narrow and it just ran through to uh, Romero or whoever was in, in the goal and I think he, he had that on his mind and he saw cleverly running in and he, he didn't pass the ball he passed the responsibility he did because the thing the problem with that is you see cleverly came in looking for the ball 
and then cleverly thought, he's not going to give me the ball. So he literally stopped moving. He stopped. And when he stopped was when he gave him the ball. And it's the worst time because the defender, the, the opposition midfield player was waiting for that. Yeah. And he took advantage of the situation. No, Basuma knew what was happening, but but Cleverly's body shape, he wasn't on the half turn, he didn't check his shoulder. It, it yeah, looked to he, me like a, it looked like a dummy run for him to yeah, pull him in and chip the ball Peter, into... Peter, I think what had happened then, Cleverly had given up, I'm not going to get the ball now because yeah, yeah. he hasn't given me then. So he's, he'd given it up by then, and then he was given it, so he was on his heels yeah. and the ball was played to him, and you know that is the worst situation. I've always been taught you never give a straight ball to anybody in your final third of your pitch, right. especially into the middle, into the middle there. You never do that. Yeah. You go, why? You get play angles there you never give somebody a straight ball unless they are completely on their own with about Absolutely. 20 yards of space Colin what are you thinking have you got a different view for a captain no well it's really down to three isn't it you've got two names mentioned um Trooster Cleverly or maybe Cathcart but because they're senior players you the team's so young like who else could you give that to Foster if he comes back for any reason perhaps but it's such a young team and you know like, I, I want to see me captain who's sort of at least coming up for 30 <laughs> yeah I get that I just I think what's what's really um, I don't know how you guys feel but I kind of feel like I'm sitting on a roller coaster so I'm really excited about the future because we've just got rid of as it's been said all that deadwood but then I've realised I'm in my underpants so I'm actually quite fearful of going over the top because there does feel like there is still a lot of rebuilding to do in and around and I think we're all kind of in the on the same on the same wave as you know this could go to it really could go two ways this could yes. really work out one thing could really check you know an injury something like that it, it could really go pear-shaped so it, it, it really is a, a strange time to be a Watford fan at the moment because I think we're in uncharted waters for well oh god for a long time that I can remember that we you know probably when the pot when the potsos came in maybe all that influx of players really it's been a long time what about Sissoko guys great signing for me I great signing so, yeah. really yeah. happy with that I think captain, he, I'm talking about for captain yes because of his experience he's a good experience and one thing he'll probably do in that midfield he'll probably play most weeks the guys won a World Cup Luther at the end of the day yeah. you know what I'm so, so he's got a good, he's got a good chance of of him so he, he might be one he might be the outsider I mean, I think Kuchka was probably on my mind, but like you say, he's probably not going to play every game. But And we've only really assessed, assessing him on two games. There's something about him that just looks fully committed, which is something that mm. has been lacking a little bit in the midfield. So, yeah, oh, I think all of those are a good shout. And Sizoka I hadn't even thought about. So it remains to be seen, because presumably he's going to be naming a club captain within the next week, isn't he? I'd have thought. Well, yeah. I think whoever captains the, the in the next two games, mark my words, a big games for us this season I know it's really early on but whoever's captain for me at, at Wolves will be uh, against Wolves should I say will be captain I think I mean the, the the question of leadership is interesting because until the middle of last season and then Deeney went out after the Coventry game the common thing said was the fact that we lacked leaders Deeney then basically kind of sunsetted and went out and you suddenly had and it was a bit of the timing obviously but we were talking about Hughes we were looking at Chalabar we did have Truth to Con coming in you had um, you know uh, Backman being very very vocal at the back and suddenly you thought we've got an awful lot of 
leaders there. It's they're organically coming up. Cleverly was running his legs off. I mean, he he does that. I, mean, I don't mean to underplay him from earlier on. But if you now look at who's actually left, it's 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 inevitable that there's going to be a void, and somebody's going to have to step in and fill it. Just, just um, while we're talking, because it's not been mentioned, and I think it's something that needs to be because there's been a lot of talk on social media since it happened. The goal against Tottenham, mm. and a lot of people are blaming Backman for that goal and I just I'm sorry I, I there's no way you can blame the goalkeeper for that I think personally that there's going to be a mistake in the goalkeeper at least once or twice a season, personally. Uh, it, it always happens, and I think he's had one of his. The, the call for him to be dropped immediately, I think, is ridiculous. Crazy. You know, absolutely ridiculous. People make mistakes. He just happened to make his, you know, in front of a lot of people. I, I send, uh, uh, we, we asked a question to Steve Sherwood, and Steve Sherwood um, supported Tommy Hogan and myself on the way sort of that, because cause I remember Graham asking to, um, Steve Sherwood this question. What is it as a goalkeeper on 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 wide free kicks don't you like his response was balls being swung in towards the goal and players running across the front of you yeah 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 they looking for that touch. You, yeah. just that fleeting second the ball's past you you think back how many goals we used to score like that against the opposition and you can't blame the goalkeeper it is just good it's a good it's a good tactic for scoring goals yeah, i'd yeah. agree with you but he took he he did the thing that I can't stand goalkeepers doing, which was he took that step back. There's that moment. You're absolutely right. He is waiting for that player to come across. But if you see the shot from behind the goal, that they were quite a long way off and the ball's coming in and he doesn't know whether he can move until he knows he has to do it. And at that point, he just takes that step back and that's what sort of kills him. I agree with Justin. People make errors all the time. You had the um, uh, Coventry goal and the Huddersfield goal last year from, from Ben. They're going to have, they're going to have problems. I, I would rather have somebody taking that ball out at the earliest position in the defence Absolutely, and not not allowing it to not allowing it to happen. But to have that sort of Roberto Pereira long lofted ball that drifts all the way across, I've, I've still got to ask my keeper to do something. That whipped ball coming in is, is it, if it's done properly, you can't defend it. Which is how we scored goals every season because we practiced and worked on that one. The problem is the goalkeeper cannot gamble to go for the ball. If he gambles and somebody gets a touch, they're heading into empty net. So he's got to wait until the last second, literally, before he can go for it. And usually by then it's too late because. If he sees somebody in the corner with his eye coming, he can't go. He cannot go for the ball. And that looked, is the dilemma that you give the goalkeeper. He looked like where I was standing. He looked like he was unwrapping a starburst. He literally looked like he had he looked like he had his gloves in his pockets. I was just like, but anyway. As a goalkeeper at a ludicrously low level, I will endorse that that ball is absolutely horrible. Oh, it's, it's a horrible. Yeah, um, it's a horrible. The, the thing, it, almost, the thing that worries me, I mean, and it's very early days, but the thing, I mean, it was talked about um, how confident Backman was last season. And I just ever so slightly worry. I mean, it's really, it's the evidence of the Tottenham game with a few misplaced passes, but he doesn't quite see mm. the presence he did last year on that basis. Now, that's very early days. It's a new division, et cetera, et cetera. So hopefully that's just an aberration, but that's something I'm hoping goes away very quickly Someone, because I really like it really, last time. really great point. Somebody said to me after the Tottenham games, we were walking out, it almost looks like Batman's got the fear back in himself where the fans are back. Almost like he was such a... Pre- I know, I'm not reading too much into that, but... He was such a presence last season with no right. fans, and he, he's played the, the the Euros and had a decent Euros as well. But exactly, I was going to say he has just yeah. played his Euros in almost yeah. front of a hundred thousand people. Almost, he's got no issue with the fans. It's not yeah. that we we need to we need to just give the guy a break and let him yeah, get he's on. Quality, and he's quality. I think he's a great yeah, keeper. Agreed. He, he has not let us down as yet because we're always always going to look at goalkeepers and think 
should he we used to do it look at him and think oh surely he should have got that and he went no nah, maybe not <laughs> you know but, but because that's how it is your first thing is to blame somebody mm, I think I think true. the other thing is as a goalkeeper you it, it, it's a, I guess a bit like riding a motorbike if you cock it up you, you're in trouble there's there's no sort of second chance no. as, as a goalkeeper there's no hiding place for a goalkeeper there's no hiding place yeah so it, it's it's probably more more focused I remember Foster a few years, a couple of seasons going against Arsenal went to trap a ball and it just didn't kick it away and he got followed in mm. yeah back Gomez. in wasn't it yeah. Gomez had a mare against Leicester, didn't he, a few seasons ago as well? It yeah, just, it just so look, it, it's just part and parcel of the of the thing. But yeah, I, I agree with what Justin said. Anybody that's calling Batman to be dropped, come on, get a life. Yeah, I mean, maybe if he's doing that match after match, then you might have a question mark. But come on, it was, yes. it was, it was just one goal in one game. Yeah, it cost us the game, but come on, it was Tottenham. They're top of the league. They haven't conceded a goal yet. They've won every game. They beat Man City. You know, they scored decent, three goals. Decent team I mean, that we were playing, you know. I mean, I suppose I should factor in being disappointed Pointed that we didn't trouble Tottenham much. They didn't concede to Man City, so you know, perhaps yeah, perhaps that's it. A little bit about that. Positives, yeah. positives, a glimmer yeah. of what, light there. What do we think? Because I mean, a lot of his uh, twitchiness comes out in his distribution because he's having to play a slightly more technical ball than than Foster, who is able to basically you know rally it at 60, 70 yards upfield. Do do we think? How do we feel about you know playing it to Sierra and uh, Truce to Kong in the box? Because that 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 makes me jittery, but I don't know how everybody else feels. Yeah, I'm not a big fan they, of it. It makes me nervous. Yeah, they need to stop it because they 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 weren't good at it in the championship. No. Now you've got better, sharper, more savvy players against you in the prem. We will get caught before the season's out. Yeah, Arsenal got done, didn't they? When they were doing it. When cleverly scored. Absolutely. Yeah, that's exactly, yeah. I I don't I don't get it. I just I think get the ball up there. You've got we've got some big lads in that that team now. There's some big big lads in there. We should be we should be fighting for those balls. Stop playing this silly. They've got to mix it up. Yeah, exactly. Mix it up. They've got to get the opposition up the pitch and kick a few. Then you play. But everybody tries to play the same game, and it's so easy to read and squeeze you and whatever. Put get them up, kick a couple, then the next one drop off, play. So you get the opposition thinking, what are they going to do now? And when you've got them having to make decisions there and then, that's when you can exploit them. And we're not doing that. Well, absolutely, because Bissouma was there and and you know against Brighton pressing cleverly because he knew we weren't going to bang it over the top. Yes. So it was right. I'm going to squeeze because you're always going to go and play it short somewhere. Hi, this is Marlon King, and you're listening to Do Not Scratch Your Eyes podcast. So, Colin, what's coming up in the uh, next edition of YBR? Well, um, at the very last moment, we were in the fours of sending it off to the printers and just pressed the button when it come through that Troy had left. So inevitably, there's four pages Nick has hastily typed, although you wouldn't think it. You'd think it was lovely crafted about Troy Deeney and his departure. We've got a nice piece by Peter looking at that Leicester goal, breaking it down into some nice graphics and, I'll be honest, a very amusing and humorous description of what happened that day. Also, um, we, we had the theme that we was going to run with. And it's one of a bit of community, really. It's the community of being a Watford fan. We had a lot of stuff in there about just the joy, the people you go with. Everything isn't football, really. We've got the, um, the, the sort of tagline for this issue, issue that football so much more than football which um, probably Luther may not agree with. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's about being a fan. And I think that's the predominant thing. Um, lots of linkings. There's your, your good selves crop up again, sort of. Yeah, we're there. Re- really abusing our goodwill, what constitutes quality writing. But we'll be <laughs> a <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
we've got Kate from Women of Watford. We've also got the guys from from the Rookery End. Um, are we allowed to mention that on air? Yeah, you are. can mention our fellow uh, uh, podcasters. I'll cut it out, but you can say it, yeah. Yeah, we'll edit that out. <laughs> it's not a problem. No, there's a nice piece by John there about um, a show they did about drafting players yeah. who they picked from the four promotion teams. Lots of the usual nice pictures and nice words. Nick, have I missed anything? No, I don't think so. Well, the only thing I was going to mention was that um, you talked about the community theme, and I think it summed up your really nice piece, um, how 99-2000 was your, I think, did you put your favourite season following yeah, Watford? Yeah. Yeah, just because I think of the people you met and yeah. and how it went that way. It wouldn't have been the football that year, I tell you. No. It certainly wasn't the football. No. Wow. It wasn't. Dreadful. Uh, <laughs> you got one of the people behind it all day. Oh, hello, Lisa. Yeah. Didn't see you there. <laughs> <laughs> What's coming uh, up on um, Uorn's TV, Peter? Uh, well, we still got the. Uh, uh, I, I think I promised last time that we were going to do uh, an X Files on Will Frostrum, which is still to do, uh, because I fell into the trap of doing uh, things like uh, the Boot Room and do, doing that, which has been really nicely received uh, from a lot of people, including ironically Brighton fans who did the opposite thing to Crystal Palace. So when we did a match of the day involving Crystal Palace, Crystal Palace fans won Delicates of the Year award and were all offended to suggest that they'd ever lost a game to us. Brighton came on and were like really nice, I think, which, which, which was great. Um, so we'll be having maybe a couple more of those. We've got the second uh, lot of uh, You Don't Get Cramp at This Club, the, the first of which was the magnificent battle between Carl and Justin. If you haven't seen it, please look at it. It's great. It's, it's, uh, it's good fun. So we've got the second one coming up. Um, soon, which should hopefully be between Pidge and uh, and Jason from from the Rookery end as well. So I need to contact those guys because that's uh, that's now all ready to roll. So hopefully we'll be recording that in the next couple of weeks and a few more kind of big matches of the day. So um, we'll, we'll be having I think uh, Arsenal Leicester and having done both Blackpool and Notts County, we'll continue the glamour and see if we can't also have Grimsby as well because uh, a certain I can't tell you who he is, but he goes by the name of the Doctor scores um, against Grimsby. <laughs> From from a Mr. Callahan, if I remember across. So uh, so we'll have that as well. Sounds like the FA Cup tie to me, that one. <laughs> Might be. <laughs> yeah. Uh well played, me, played on a perfect pitch. It was wonderful. <laughs> uh, I think for me, the only thing I can say is sheep. Need to get my hands on sheep. <laughs> I am I'm, I'm on, on it, Lufa. So I'm gonna find I'm going around so there, there might be some sheep rustling going on. <laughs> I can't wait for this. The power you yield, Luther, these days. Imagine uh, all those old ladies on the three, two, one when they can't get through the town centre because Luther has congested it with sheep. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm looking for looking forward to the headline: One man and his doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Very good, Peter. this stuff doesn't just write itself. <laughs> Marvellous stuff. To do it on the Wolves game, it'd be a sort of nice, you sort of your Wolves in sheep's clothing. There you go, Colin. Shout, Shout. There you go. That's pressure now, Lou, for you've got about, what, nine days to sort that out, I think. The Watford Observer (laughs) will be reporting sheep missing from local farm. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Again. 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 (laughs) Fantastic. Hi, everybody. This is Ian Bolton, and I'm proud to be on uh, Do Not Scratch Your Eyes podcast so thank you very much for joining us once again um it's lovely to have guests as well um so goodbye to the guys from ybr goodbye thank you very much thank you goodbye to you peter cheers guys and goodbye to you dr luther blissett yes the doctor has left the building <laughs> he's gone i want to see him in a big hat brilliant yeah fantastic Great. wonderful stuff uh chaps thank you very much for joining us it's been a pleasure having you once again on the do not scratch your eyes podcast 
Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around, you've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? <whistles> At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia Gravis or Lambert Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.